Luke is the only gospel that takes into account the birth of John the Baptist. Luke's gospel here is the only gospel that gives us a beautiful idea of motherhood. You, we, we just, walking away today, I want you to just really grasp the beauty of motherhood and babies. Um, because we live in a society that's attacking that. What do they call uh, birthing people now? Birthing, it's not even a birthing parent. I don't know. They have some other word. They're trying to eliminate mother, motherhood. Um, and it's a picture um, through motherhood of, of creation and God continuing with um, people um, made in his own image to procreate as part of who he is. And the theme this year is Son of Man, and that's another beautiful creation of the divine and the the natural coming together. Only God has created this in the Son of Man. Um, So, as we look at this today, we're going to really reflect, well, we're going to really look at the words. Um, We know that Luke was an investigative journalist, and he would go around and he would interview all these people, collected all this information. That's the kind of guy he was, a a medical doctor. He wanted to investigate and stuff and get the facts going. And as he pulled them together and pulled these stories together from the people that he talked to, probably Mary, probably Elizabeth, you know, the people that were there, the people that were in the town when Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. He pulled it all together. And his story of, this, of, of the birth of Christ throws just glory on motherhood, the intertwining of divine and human and procreation and everything. So that's the picture we want to see But it comes into a place in the very first three words of chapter 39, in those days. Now, in those days, we have to think back what it was like. Remember from last week, in those days, there was a fading hope. There had been 400 years where God was silent, hadn't heard from him. Malachi was the last prophet that they had, and pretty much the the Jews were just kind of continuing to go through the routine of sacrifice and the feasts and all that kind of stuff. And, and after 400 years, you know, they were still doing it. They were still a remnant that hope, had a lot of hope. But there was also a segment of them that became more tainted, more hypocritical, more pharisaical. This was a very dark time. Rome had a heavy thumb on The people there, we're going to talk more about that next week with the birth of Jesus. Um, People were losing their freedoms. But on the horizon, there was a light that was about to come up into this darkness on the light. In In the darkness, people saw a great light. It was hovering right coming up on the horizon with the birth of Jesus. And Jesus is about to come into the world. Now, we know that heaven, we talked about this I guess two weeks ago, 
what the angels were doing, you know, oh, you know, Gabriel's going to go down and talk about it. Everyone's so excited and everything. They were all excited. And when we get down here and Zechariah's like, you know, questioning it, heaven's probably saying, what is going on with these people? This is, the, this is the climax of history here. So we know all of heaven is rejoicing, waiting. This is finally happening that Jesus was going to be born. So Luke gives it justice by bringing into poetry and music. These are songs. We've got three songs in here. Elizabeth's is a song also of just breaking forth with beauty in the words of poetry and music, and, um, and he pulls it all together in our study today. In a dark, dark place. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town in Judea, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. All right, dark time dark time. The angel has visited Mary and made the announcement. She's excited, or she's probably excited and a little fearful and apprehensive. Did she tell Joseph? My guess is she probably told Joseph. Probably one of the first people she went to tell was Joseph. We'll get, we'll get into Joseph a little later, but she goes with haste to visit her relative, Elizabeth. She doesn't go with Joseph. So whatever happened there with her and Joseph, it didn't go as well as, you know, it had, and we're going to find out about that later. So she goes with haste. It's a, a, a time for Mary that they had been waiting for this long-promised Messiah. Um, she had studied it. She, you know, she comes from the line of um, the priestly line, so she was very well read and versed in Old Testament. And she believed in her heart that it was about to happen and she was going to carry the Christ child. And she had this secret, and yet who could she share it with? Who could a virgin, an unwed 14-year-old girl, share that with? So what does she do? She hightails it out to Elizabeth because she was told by Gabriel that her relative Elizabeth was with child. She tries to get away from maybe the murmurs or the whatever. She wasn't showing yet, but here she is. Just what would this be like for her? So she goes on and she runs into, goes to uh, Elizabeth's house. She's gone for three months trying to seek a sympathetic ear in Elizabeth, who was in her old age just... And her whole town was embracing this. What a miracle this was. This old lady is pregnant and Zachariah is not talking or hearing. He's in his own little quietness. They're all contemplating it. So all the neighbors were like on bated breath waiting what's going on with excitement. This was an exciting time in Elizabeth's home where she was just taken in every single month of having that baby. And it says that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, which is a form of, of, of uh, poetic uh, joy and a, a burst of, of, of expression and emotion. And one of the, commenta- one of the translations... I dug around, I could only find one, and guess which one it was in? Phillips, which isn't really a translation, says she sung exuberantly. But it's almost like to the point where you get to, you ever, we've lost this ability, let me say that. How many of you are around little kids and they'll just start singing? 
they'll just start singing. We're hindered by that. You know, I'll do that. I'll start singing, but no one's around. But, but, but in this culture, before we had media and television and all this stuff pumping at us, pumping at us, people would sing. They would sing to their animals when they were doing the fields. They would sing to soothe the, calm the animals down and everything. The voice was used a lot more than we use it now. And so I honestly believe that when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, and that baby did tumble salts in there, and Mary was filled, just an overwhelming fillness of the Holy Spirit, the peace of God, the joy that comes with that. She just exclaimed with a loud voice and burst out and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. If she spoke it, if she wrapped it, I don't know. But whatever it was, it was a, a, a joyous response of excitement and, and hope and probably totally unexpected um, here comes Mary. Did she know that Mary was the one, the virgin that was going to give birth? She did the minute that baby leapt and the Holy Spirit came on her. So it was a time that was very reassuring to Mary to have that kind of embracing of this relative in Elizabeth, that she just totally embraced her and blessed you because you believed. You believed in what's about to happen. Great rejoicing. So Elizabeth is rejoicing over the for, giving birth to this forerunner in her old age, and now she's rejoicing even more for the coming of the Messiah. Whatever happened in that home of Elizabeth during that time, the words aren't recorded. This is all we know of it. The three months that Mary was there with Elizabeth, we don't know if Elizabeth, if Mary stayed till John the Baptist was born or not. We don't know. The time, the, the math works out that she was there. Um, but it was a time where there's no words and Luke doesn't even record it. And I just wonder if the beauty of the moment that these two mothers were sharing was so private and intimate that you couldn't even really put it into words. You know, the excitement of it, um, the, the giggling of it. Um, the, 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 the just the day-to-day -day, um, knowing that you're about to give birth to a baby and these, these important babies. I mean, this was something these two mothers shared that no other women in the world can ever comprehend. So, I mean, you know what it's like if you've been pregnant. If you, if you have been pregnant, you compare everything and stuff. And it was just a very exciting time. Um, more so what God was doing with this. Why Elizabeth? Why Mary? Elizabeth was a daughter, the priestly line. You know, Zechariah was a priest. Uh, so was Elizabeth was in the same line. And she was a daughter of the old covenant. She was a daughter of the old economy. A daughter from the generations that ran before her with the Levitical law and the old, all the Old Testament and everything with that was and the fulfillment that was supposed to happen in Jesus Christ. Elizabeth represented that old, we'll just say Old Testament, or that old economy. And here she is singing a song 
inviting the new to come in um, when she meets with Mary. So there's this motherly voice of, from the old priestly line that had pretty much sobbed and sighed and waited and waited. Um, and we know with Zechariah's name from a couple weeks ago, Zechariah's name, uh, God will remember. The God part is shortened because it was more of a sorrow, a waiting, a long. God will remember, right? God will remember. Um, and so here it is with this, that whole sound of that voice coming through Mary to just burst into just a praise of the moment that's happening, welcoming this new baby. So Mary, now when she gets this welcoming from Elizabeth, she goes into a song. We don't know the melodies. It's been lost in time. Um, but Mary's song is a worship at the highest level. And I don't know how often people really attain to this these days. But worship at the highest level. We can see it in the words that she's saying. She's celebrating God and what he, was, what he has done. She's celebrating him with her entire being. My soul, my mind, my soul magnifies the Lord, blows him up big time. He's just like, Stephanie had a little magnifying glass up here. He, she, it just is a picture of becoming bigger than ever. My soul is like going to burst being over, overwhelmed with who you are. And my spirit, my spirit rejoices in you, the person who I am, my personality. Um, so it's a spirit thing. And why are we supposed to worship? In mind and in truth, right? In spirit and in truth, the mind is, is truth, and spirit and truth. So she's got her mind, she's got her spirit in there rejoicing. And she says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary's song is all snippets and pieces of Old Testament um, verses that we can pull together. There's that overall ideology or, or a theology that's in the Old Testament that she's just reciting and flowing from her. Um, verse 40, and, well, let's go with, okay, so there's, it's flowing from her and it's pieces coming together. When she says in verse um, that I just read, um, humble and looking at me as you're a humble servant and looking at me and caring for me, she's bringing in the, the um, history of Hannah when Hannah would go and pray for her son and pray for her son and pray for her son. In 1 Samuel 1.11, Hannah says, he's looked on my humble state, the humble state of his servant. So that's another motherhood that comes into play. When she says that all generations will call me blessed from generation to generations, her words reflect Leah's words in Genesis 30.13 when Leah kept having all these boys, all these sons, and she says, all these generations will bless me. She's pulling in 
the, the history of how God has used mothers and motherhood and the longing of their hearts and the joy of a baby. And then throughout the passages, um, it is talking about the mighty, God has done mighty things for me. So Mary is singing not words that, she's not uttering gibberish. She's, she, her, her, she's uttering and singing and rejoicing with historical things that she had learned. Hide the word of God in your heart. Don't worry about what to do when you're persecuted or whatever. God's spirit will bring this stuff to mind. Um, so we need to be filling our, our, our minds and our hearts with God's spirit because in the right time, those things will be let loose in us so we can speak out truth from his word. She's a pr- great example of, of, of how she responded to the word of God when, they, when the angel came obediently, joyfully, worshiping him in his word, the things she had learned. Her mind had grasped the significance of a savior that he was he was here, he was coming, he was she was pregnant at this time and it was like it was happening. The savior, the long awaited savior was arriving and the great joy when she just stops and reflects on that in fellowship with Elizabeth is a beautiful picture. I probably didn't do it justice, but hopefully it can shed some light on this moment in history when these two women, chosen by God um, to, to deliver these children into the world, must have been a fantastic time. Mary, being a young mother, her song was like a, a, a song from what he has done before. I'll continue on in verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud throughout their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She's given a historical account of how God has acted throughout history as remembered. And so it's a matter of the Old Testament kind of coming through um, of all the things that God has done. A young mother cradling the birth of the Savior, singing a, a we would call a swan song. If I use that term swan songs, they say that swans have a song when they're dying. Kind of a passing off of the old. Mary singing a passing off of the old. And here come Elizabeth is there singing an older woman singing of the new. Rejoicing. You're the mother of my Savior. They're coming together in a, in a beautiful, poetic, musical, um, I don't know. I just have to stop there. I can't explain it anymore. It was just a beautiful picture of the supernatural, meeting the natural, and how God is just continuing marching on through history. And the result of that is praise, is praise. So she stays, Mary stays in verse 56 for three months, and then she goes home. She was probably there for the birth of John the Baptist, but 
We'll just go on to verse 57. What's going on then when John's about to be born? All these neighbors, all these relatives, word had gotten out that this old lady got pregnant, that Zechariah went in to do the, um, the priestly duties in the, in the temple, and he, he came out and he couldn't talk, he couldn't hear, and for nine months, or still ongoing, he could nothing. God left him in his quiet, contemplative time, not as a punishment, I don't think, but as a way for him to truly grasp what was about to happen to him, being the father of John the Baptist, to prepare him to raise and continue to nurture and train up this young boy that was the forerunner of the Messiah. So he had a lot of time to think about it. And the whole neighborhood was all, you know, Twitter, 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 of what's going on. Certainly this baby was special. Um, it was supernatural because this old woman got pregnant. So excitement was mounting as she has the baby. The baby is born. And on the eighth day, um, and everyone's rejoicing, on the eighth day for circumcision, they bring him to the, the temple to, um, to name him, circumcise him and name him. And of course, Zechariah, that's just traditional. That's what they would do. The name would be passed down. Elizabeth there saying, no, he shall be called John. And in verse 61, and they said to her, what? None of your relatives. Where did John? Where would you get the name John? And they made signs, remember, because he couldn't hear or speak. You know, come on. She's saying John? You're going to let her get away with that? Come on, you better, you know, get, stop. Get your wife in line or something. And he writes down on a tablet, his name is John. And they all wondered. That's a short little sentence. But they kind of froze them in their tracks. What? They didn't believe the woman. That's what they got in trouble, you know. (laughs) What? They all wondered about this. And immediately, they're all dumbfounded. They're dumbfounded. And immediately, his mouth is released into praising God, opened his mouth and his tongue loose, and he spoke blessings to God. And he goes into that song down there. So after all this time of being quiet and not being able to speak, here it is, he acknowledges in obedience, his name is John. His tongue is loosed in just praise and joy to God. They were just in fear, it says, in fear in verse 65, on all the, all the neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. They talked about it. That's how the gospel is shared. They talked about it. They won't know unless they hear, hearing about it. And just what is going on here? Such a mystery of what's going on here. God intervened in here. He didn't do it the way we expect him to do. Proverbs 16.9, man makes his plans, but it's God who directs the path. Proverbs 3.5, do not lean on your own understanding. Isaiah 55.8, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are his ways his ways. God is about to reveal himself through the life of John the Baptist and that family, Elizabeth and Zechariah, in a huge way. I'm doing this my way. My way. 
This is how it's going to happen. He is intervening. He is at work within history to the wonderment and the amazement of the people that, were, that witnessed it and finally to break out in joy. And it wasn't like John and it wasn't like Elizabeth and Zacharias stood around and decided his name was going to be John. It was determined in heaven that this baby was going to be named John. So in verses 63 to 66, when he starts praising God and just and his lips are loosed and he gets into that song, I believe that he burst into worship like he's never experienced before. God has equipped him to the ministry to be able to be the father of this forerunner. Now, there's going to be a lot of media hype here, going to be a lot of things going on. If he was in today's world, they might even get a little stand set up outside their home, selling trinkets or whatever, you know. Here, John the Baptist is here, you know, blah, 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 or selling whatever. I'm sure... I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if there were some attempts to to commercialize this and capitalize on it, right? It's hard to keep your mind on the focus of God and the mission of God and what we're doing because you know Satan wants to pull it. Hey, you can make a lot of money off this. You can do this. Kind of reminded me of that new guy that's out there, Oliver Anthony, who sang that song, that little guy in Virginia, who, and it's like, you know, Richmond, north of Richmond, we need to pray for that young man because I'm sure he's being attacked by sell it here, sell it there, whatever, and and he just is a simple kind of guy. But Satan likes to attack and destroy and squash things down. So Zechariah, for nine months, was prepared to take on this mission um, to, to be the father of the forerunner of Christ. Mary gets sent back home, or she goes back home. Let's jump, jump up to 56 for a minute and see what's going on with Mary for a minute. Um, great fellowship during that time with Elizabeth for those three months. Great fellowship. Um, treasuring many memories in her heart to prepare and to strengthen her to what she was about to do. Sometimes we do that. We spend time with friends and get strengthened and encouraged and whatever. And, you know, we have those mountaintop moments at conferences and stuff because when we're going to go home, we're going to meet the enemy head on. So she had these three months in there where she could really, her and Elizabeth could just really encourage one another because we know both of their hearts are going to be pierced with a sword, right? So she goes back home, treasuring all these memories in her heart. Um... What about Joseph? Let's get a sneak peek on what God was doing with Joseph. For that, we need to go to Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Um, When he was, Jesus was about to be born, her husband, Mary's husband, Joseph, in verse 19, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he's down here thinking while she's up there visiting Elizabeth, he's just like pacing the floors resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Quote, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So he was grappling with it and struggling with it and just pacing around the floors to see what to do, and finally he falls asleep, and in a dream the angel comes and reassures him. So Mary is able to come home from visiting a relative um, to the embracing protective arms of Joseph to carry her through this time. Confusion and doubt, because God's ways aren't our ways. What do you mean what's going on? But to take a, a, a step of faith and obedience and submit, that's when all joy comes out. Praise and song and joy. Let's take a peek at um, Zachariah's song to close this up here. Mary's song, Zachariah's song here. Elizabeth's song, you don't have to believe me if you don't think it was a song, but whatever you want to do with that. It was a burst of praise and adoration um, after she was filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy of, of the moment. Mary's song is celebrating God and adoring God, a, a deep love and devotion to God. And Zachariah's song is similar um, he's, he's, he's listing off um, the things that, that, that God is doing throughout history. One way to look at it with the two songs in comparison, they're both about God's relationship with us, with men, supernatural and the divine, and Jesus Christ, Son of Man, divine and flesh. Mary's song was praising the God who acts. Zechariah's song was describing the acts of God. Again, they complement each other. Mary's song is praising the God who acts and is doing these things throughout history. And Zechariah's song is describing acts and actions of God throughout time. Remember his name. His name will be John. John means the grace of God. And the main activity of the grace of God is salvation. That's the main thing. God's grace, he didn't have to do this to us. He, didn't, <laughs> he could have kicked us all to the side. But it's the grace of God that, that reached out and out of obedience, Christ to the Father, acted on sacrificing, taking all of our sin onto him, an action that was taken, dying and the power being raised from the dead, satisfying the Father. I once heard this, and it was really profound to me. I'm going to share it with you, and you don't have to do anything about it, but I think sometimes we get too caught up in me, 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 me. Jesus didn't come and die for us, for us. Jesus came and died to satisfy the Father. Out of that love for the Father is Jesus came. 
That might kind of help us put us in this more of a humble thing. Yes, he loves us because God is love and he has brought us around. Um, but, but the actions of Jesus, because he says, please take this from me, but not my will, your will be done. God the Father was satisfied because God the Father wanted a bride for his son, right? A, a pure and holy bride, the church for his son, but it couldn't be attained unless somebody, unless their sins were paid for. So it was satisfying what the Father wanted to have happen in that regard. And in the side note, we get benefited from it. Does that make sense? We're not the main attraction. And you can disagree. Stephanie told you about the question box out there. Fill it up. But, I, but sometimes just grapple with it. Just kind of play it out. If you don't like it, kick it to the side. That's okay. He does love us. We're an object of his love because we are the bride of Christ. So the song is recounting all the activities of God that has to do with the salvation of his lost people. Zechariah, filled with the Spirit in verse 67, prophesies saying or singing, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. When it says visited, it's a, a word of oversight, of government, um, episcopus, Episcopacy, which means government is the best word, um, an oversight, a, a, a taking care of, an overseeing, an acting upon. So he visits and redeems his people and has raised up a horn of salvation. There it is again for us in the house of his servant David. He goes to the Davidic Covenant in verses 67 to 71, and then he takes it to the Abrahamic Covenant in 72 and 75. So he's hitting on the history of these things. Um, he has spoken by the mouth of his, old, his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved, there it is again, from the enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, to show mercy promise to his fathers here it is again and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to his fathers and remember the name Zechariah's name means God will remember his wife Elizabeth her name means the oath of God God will remember the oath of God the grace of God it's beautiful pulling together in represented in their names so he gets the Old Testament into the New Testament, the, the Vinic Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, and he pulls it into the New Covenant in verse 76. And you, child, talking to John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation, there it is again, to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit, again, governance coming down and overseeing, visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. A beautiful song. And again, we don't know the melody of it. We don't know how it came out. It may be more like a chant, um, but it was a harmonious uh, outburst 
from within his heart and soul and mind of being aware of what God was doing. Um, And the result is praise, is song. I'll close with this. Back in um, 2020, when we were all getting shut down, remember remember back then? (laughs) We're not going there again, right? Amen. No, we're not. <laughs> I recognize that voice. Um, so I remember we were at a different church and stuff, and um, we were the service team. We were to contemplate what are we we're going to do? We can't got to wear these masks or face shields. Can't be together. And then we got to the children. I thought, my gosh, the children can't sing. So we were really. This is how we were problem solving. Well, if we take them outside you know, in the parking lot and let them stick. Do you think they'll let us sing out there? I mean, this is, when you look at it now, in light of what we just studied, hindering children from singing, the rocks will cry out. So this morning, before I got into this stuff, one last, well, this was, a, this was odd because I had to hang on to this for a whole week here, but... I got into um, just a little quiet time, and I just decided to pick Psalm 28. Do you do that with the month, kind of? Today's 28, so I got into Psalm 28. Verse 7 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. My heart exalts, that word, looking it up, to leap with joy, like John the Baptist in the womb. There it is. There it is, Psalm 28, 7. To have such joy in knowing he's our shield, he's our strength, we can trust him in all things, the outcome of that is a leap of joy into song. Almighty God, we just trust your Holy Spirit will take your words from this book, your book, and help us to understand, help us to grasp us, help us to have hearts set on fire for you. And we just... All the praise and glory and honor goes to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.